Hi, Entrepreneurs. It's Steph here, and I want to be sure you've had the opportunity to reserve your ticket to our Entrepreneurs Founders Weekend for our Wealth and Wellness Retreat presented by Chase Inc. We will be hosting our event at the Ritz Carlton in Orlando, Florida from May 3rd to May 5th, and you are definitely going to want to be there with us. This is going to be your opportunity to build relationships with some of the most powerful women in business. And I can share with you firsthand that the best business relationships are formed when we really get together in person. And I just know so much business magic is going to happen when we're all together. From educational panels, networking activities to wellness activations, inspiring keynotes and breakout sessions. This is going to be a weekend you are not going to want to miss. So you can reserve your ticket today over at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. We only have a few tickets left, so be sure that you reserve yours today. That's entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. I cannot wait to see you there. I was very focused on having this look pretty. Now I don't use a social media manager. I don't spend that much time on pretty graphics. So focusing on things that actually like made money versus things I thought were necessities, but maybe weren't. Berkeley Sweet Apple is a lawyer turned entrepreneurista. While in law school, Berkeley realized that she wasn't meant to follow the traditional law path. So she started a blog as a creative outlet to help provide legal education. As her blog and network grew, she recognized a need for accessible, affordable, and quality legal templates and resources specifically tailored to women in creative online industries. Tune in to hear Berkeley's tips and tricks on how to protect yourself legally without shelling out thousands of dollars in retainer fees. Coming up, what Berkeley wishes she had focused on when she started her business. She shares the biggest learning lessons when selling digital products. And finally, you will hear the number one mistake that entrepreneurs make when creating a business. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Berkeley, I am so excited to sit down and have this conversation with you today. I have had so many learning lessons about legal trademarks, problems that we've had along the way with all of our businesses because of not knowing a lot of the things that I think you're going to share with me today. So I am so thrilled to have this conversation. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here too. And you're definitely not alone in learning on the go. Yes. You know, that's how we built our first business, Socialfly. We figured out it as we went along and we learned from all of our hard times and mistakes. And we like to share all of those learning lessons with all of our listeners and entrepreneurs in our community. But I know you have all of the tips to share. But before we even get into that, did you always know that you wanted to start your own business? So I definitely did not know that I wanted to start my own business. I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer from a pretty young age. I was brainwashed by my dad, who was a lawyer. (laughs) And I went to law school right out of college. And it 
kind of first occurred to me that I might start my own business during law school just because I was miserable in law school and the options that I saw that I had, which were working at a big firm, you know, working 16-hour days, kind of selling your soul, or that's how I perceived it in law school. And I just kind of thought, okay, I don't know that I'll be doing this forever. So what was your path like? So you're in law school. Did you end up going to work for a big firm initially? How did you get to where you are? Initially, I worked worked in-house counsel for about a year. And then I ended up working for my dad. And he has a small litigation firm in in South Florida. And it was great work-life balance. You know, I was a young mom at the time, so it just was a great opportunity to be able to see my son and have great hours and also be a lawyer. So I did that for about seven years. And litigation, as I'm sure you know, is very stressful. It's when you go to court and you argue (laughs) when the problems have already happened. So your clients are very stressed out and anxious because they're spending a lot of time and money and energy on solving problems. So I realized after some time, I mean, I I knew pretty early on that this was not what I was put on this earth to do, but it took some time to sort of transition out of that and get the courage to go out on my own. How did you make that transition? What were some of your first steps to leave litigation to then focus on the practice that you have today? So the practice that I have today actually came out of the template business that I started. So my idea of leaving the practice of law was to actually leave the practice of law and start a business where I sold contract templates. So it would be primarily transactional, more sales, more of the marketing and networking side of like selling a digital product. So as I started to build that business while I was still working at my dad's firm, I realized that people were actually much more interested in the one-on-one legal work. (laughs) I mean, it just sort of became like an advertising tool for building my own law practice. How did you learn some of those initial marketing practices? So you had this idea initially to start this contract shop. What were some of those first steps that you took to be able to set it up and to figure out, you know, so many people have courses and templates now and different things that they're selling. What were some of those steps you took to learn everything? So I started out when I graduated law school, I started a legal lifestyle blog. That was sort of like a side hustle I had while working in the legal community. And I joined all of these groups that other entrepreneurs, you know, joined to kind of learn how to monetize my blog. So I was sort of in the online business space without knowing it. I took a few courses. I took Julie Solomon's Influencer Academy. Yes. We just had her on the podcast too. She's amazing. Yes. She's so great. I love following her and her program was great. And I met a lot of women in the online business space who just naturally started asking me questions about legal stuff having to do with entrepreneurs. So I sort of educated myself on things like, what is a privacy policy? You know, what is a website terms of use? Like, what is trademark law? Because this isn't stuff that they teach you in law school. It's like a very niche area. And it was just one that all of my 
friends and, you know, business acquaintances wanted to learn more about and that I was actually curious to learn more about. So I sort of educated myself in that subject matter. What was the timeline like from the time you had this idea to set up the contract shop on your site to actually launching? And are there specific tools and platforms that you recommend that someone uses if they're thinking about setting up online products? So I would say I had this idea like right out of law school and I didn't launch. So I graduated in 2014. I didn't launch my business until 2021. So about seven years, I would say, of having this idea and just not knowing how to execute it. And I definitely think joining a group where other women are starting businesses so you can ask those questions that maybe you think are dumb but aren't. Like, how do, where do I host a website? You know, where do I find a good web designer? What are Facebook ads? Like, what is an email sequence? What email sequence provider should I have? Like, all of these things that you learn about on the go, it's so important to have a community where you have other women who have made, like, mistakes that you can learn from so you don't have to just, you know, learn by trial and error. What were some of the mistakes that you made when you initially set up and and what did you learn from them? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Like, so many, I feel like. I definitely spent way too much money on things that I thought I needed, but that I didn't really need. So I was very focused on having this look pretty. So I had a social media manager that I was like paying and I had all these pretty graphics. Now I don't use a social media manager. I don't spend that much time on pretty graphics, but I would say my revenue is like, you know, 10 times what it was starting out. So focusing on things that actually like made money versus things I thought were pretty or necessities, but maybe weren't. Are there specific tools or website builders or email softwares that you have found that have worked really well in this type of business? So there are a few email providers. I currently use ConvertKit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has automations and things like that. I've heard people really like Clavio. Um, I may switch. We'll see. Squarespace, Shopify. All all the big ones. All the big ones. Yes. And are you the one that's managing, you know, all of your email communications and all of your content? Or do you have freelancers or a team that's helping you now? I have a VA who helps me with reposting content on all of my different platforms. I handle my Instagram. Like I answer all of my DMs. I create my reels, things like that. She makes them prettier. She creates real covers and um, manages, you know, sending out engagement agreements and administrative tasks. But I answer my emails. What's been the biggest learning lesson for you from selling digital products? I would say that connections still matter, like relationships still trump everything else when it comes to sales. So I have sold more templates by creating relationships with web designers, accountants, people who have the same audience that I do, and creating something of value for them, whether it's like a workshop or, a you know, some kind of collaboration. You can't beat like word of mouth uh, marketing. 
So you're saying, you know, if people are just seeing an ad for your contract shop on Facebook or Instagram, it's a lot harder to just get that person to convert versus if you're doing, let's say, a workshop for the Entrepreneurial League community or another community, and then people really get to know you, they build that relationship, and then they go to your site, That's they're more likely to convert. Exactly. People care about who they're buying from, not necessarily what they're buying or who they're buying from matters. No, I think that's a really great tip to share because I think so many times, you know, we think that we're just going to spend all this money running advertising and that the ROI is going to be there right away to sell a product, whether it's a $20 product or a $1,000 product. But people do have to see things over and over again. And like you said, nothing really trumps relationships. And it's one of the reasons why we have our entrepreneurship community so everyone can network and connect and, and do business together. So... I want to talk about some of your big learning lessons and tips for entrepreneurs, especially the ones that are just starting out and, you know, they have an idea for a business name or a website and they start buying all of the domains for it before they do probably the one thing you would recommend that they don't do. Yes. So <laughs> what are those mistakes that that entrepreneurs are making when they're when they're first launching and coming up with their uh, the name of their business and other things that they need to trademark? So mistake number one, not making sure that a name is available before you start using it, before you invest in branding, web design, domains. Make sure that a name is available, not just like you think it's available by searching on Google. Hire a trademark attorney to do a comprehensive search. Make sure there are no similar sounding looking names out there that are registered in your industry. Otherwise, you could be building a brand with a great name that somebody else has already taken, and you're going to be the recipient of a cease and desist letter, and you'll be forced to rebrand. That is exactly what happened to us when we started Socialfly. So the original (laughs) name of Socialfly was not Socialfly. It was actually Collective Media. And we got a cease and desist letter from a company with the name Collective in it. This is going back, when did we start? 2011, 2012. And Courtney and I were like, oh my gosh, like we were so, we're in our early 20s. We had no idea about anything, you know, trademark related. We had just started the business and we're like, are we going to go to jail? Like what happens when you get a cease and desist letter? And we, you know, spoke to our business attorney and he said, look, you could fight this, but you're better off just rebranding. We'd really just launched. And, you know, I think we did come up with a better name, Socialfly, but let me tell you, you know, you always make uh, make lemonade from lemons and, and find the good in every situation. But boy, was it a pain and really hard and stressful and costly. So like you said, do that search first. And would you say the best thing to do, you know, for an entrepreneur who is starting out is like right away when you have ideas for all of these different names to go to trademark attorney and come to you or, you know, wait until you have like just that one name that you want to go with? It depends how long it takes you to get to that one name. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get so set on one name that you are not going to consider other names because there's a chance that that name is too similar to another name that's registered. So you can come to a trademark attorney with several names. And I've had people come to me and they are like, I want to name my course the Public Speaking Academy. And I'm like, 
you probably want to choose a different name because that name's descriptive. You're mm-hmm. likely going to get a refusal based on descriptiveness if you're talking about public speaking and you're an academy. So sometimes people think of names that right off the bat, I'm like, choose a different name. Or they give me a few options and I can do a free search just like on the trademark electronic search system. And I can already tell that they're going to be a problem if they try to register. So I would say the earlier, the better. You don't have to be using the name to file a trademark application. You can have the intent to use it and sort of reserve that name until you launch. What are other legal protections that entrepreneurs need to be thinking about when they're first starting out? So the most important contract, contract-wise, is having a client agreement. So a lot of entrepreneurs are service providers. They have, they're either coaches or social media managers, and they have a client base. Sending your clients an agreement is really important. You're you know, this is your primary income stream. You want to make sure your expectations are clear, your payment terms are clear, what happens in case of a dispute is really clear. So definitely having that one client agreement should be a priority. And then if you have a website, which most entrepreneurs do have a website for your business, having a terms of use and a privacy policy are two really important things that I see missing a lot of the time. Those are really great tips. And again, I think, you know, so many entrepreneurs do what I always recommend, just start. We actually have new, uh, our new merch, our Just Get Started uh, Entrepreneurs merch here, which is the thing to do, just get started, but make sure you're protected because what can happen? So let's say you don't have a privacy policy on your website or you don't have a proper client contract. What are the risks? So if you don't have a client contract and say, say you don't have something like intellectual property spelled out in your contract and you create a website for someone and you create a logo and a branding kit and you hand it over to the client and they don't pay you. First of all, there's nothing to say that, you know, what happens if they don't pay you. So there's nothing spelled out about where disputes are handled. You can sue them, you know, in your local court, but it would be helpful to have some sort of, you know, dispute resolution clause to fall back on. You also are like relying on an oral agreement at that point if you don't have something in writing, which is problematic because then it's he said, she said. You have the issue of your clients probably using your your deliverables, you know, that they didn't pay for. Whereas if you had a contract with them, you would say you don't have ownership of the intellectual property until you've paid in full. So you lose the upper hand and you lose protection of your work. Up next, learn more about Berkeley's secrets to her social media strategy. Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. As a founder, or really as a woman in business who is creating their own success, whether you're just starting a business or you're scaling it, dealing with finances and money can often feel very overwhelming and intimidating. We have all been there. But according to fellow entrepreneurista and personal finance expert, Varnoosh Tarabi, that fear can surprisingly be very helpful for your future success and wealth. Varnoosh is the host of the So Money podcast and the author of the best-selling book, A Healthy State of Panic, 
She gets candid about all things finance with leading business experts every Friday on her podcast. And she dives deeper into the nine biggest fears that hold us back both professionally and personally in her latest book, including rejection, loneliness, fear of missing out and failure to name a few. She offers a wealth of knowledge and tackles the relatable feelings we all experience about money. So you are definitely going to want to subscribe to her podcast. And if you want to meet Farnoosh live and in person, be sure to join us at our Entreprenista Founders Weekend event from May 3rd to May 5th at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Farnoosh will be speaking and she cannot wait to connect with you. You can reserve your ticket at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend and we will see you there. Berkeley, I know that, and from personal experience as well, starting many businesses now, so many women, when we're first starting our businesses, it can be really scary to invest in things that are important in our business, but can be extremely expensive. And, you know, from our learning lessons over the years, we always share with entrepreneurs, you know, you need a great lawyer, you need a great accountant, you need this like great team around you. So you can focus on the things that you're great at, and they can help do all the things that are extremely necessary, but they do cost money to invest in. So I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, why you chose to go that route of initially starting the, the contract shop. And was that because you wanted to be able to make your services more accessible? Absolutely. So I think <clears throat> I think lawyers have a reputation of being inaccessible and expensive, which is why a lot of the times when women are starting out with businesses, we don't hire attorneys right away because it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I know this is going to be a big investment. I'm going to push this off till later. And legal is one of those things that you really want to get ahead of because they can become problems become much more expensive when you don't deal with them right away. I know from starting a business, it costs a lot of money and you don't want to be spending a lot of money when you're not making any money. So that is one of the reasons why I wanted to create contracts that I use in my in my law firm, you know, with one-on-one -on -one clients and that I would charge maybe 1500 to draft from scratch but have them be more in the $300 range so that entrepreneurs can DIY things that are DIYable. So when someone does buy a template, a contract template off your shop, is there further like information that they need either from you or another attorney to customize it? Or is it pretty like plug and play if I have a certain type of business that I don't need additional assistance from a lawyer once I buy the template? They're designed to be plug and play. So they're designed so that you can put in your company information. You can make a few small choices, like whether you own the content, whether someone else owns the content. They're designed to be as like simple as possible. And I do have like instruction manuals. With some of them, I have instruction videos to walk people through them. So that gets into the whole content creation process, which I want to learn more about your process because I personally love following you on social media and seeing <laughs> all of the fun reels that you're doing. And not only are they fun, but so many of the videos that I've seen that you do are informational and 
women can learn from the content that you're creating. I know you had mentioned earlier that you were, you know, paying a social media manager to make content for you. And then you took a lot of that back over and it was converting better. Can you share some of the tips and tricks that you've used to create content that converts? Sure. I would say first is getting out of my own way. So I'm somebody who's a little bit shy in front of the camera. I'm not naturally like a show, you know, show pony. <laughs> you would never, you would never know when you watch your content. Like you're such a natural. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I actually really don't like you know, doing Instagram reels or like being the one to show up on camera. I do it because I know it's helpful and helpful to share great content, but I'm the same. Like I just, it's so hard to talk to camera. I would say that I delayed launching my business for seven years because of the fear of showing my face on camera wow. and how uncomfortable I was. Wow. Um, it was just as bad as going to court and public speaking for me. Like both of those things I felt like I was going to have a panic attack in both of those things. And it just, I, you know, I had to ask myself, like, eventually you're going to have to get over this. Eventually you're going to have to put yourself out there if you want to succeed. So you can either go to court and be a litigator, which you hate, or you can get over yourself and just show up on camera and not care what people think. And I think that's number one is like caring less about what people think mm -hmm. and just doing it. How did you get out of your own head and just? do it and just start? Honestly, I feel like it was more personal growth than anything. Mm -hmm. I think I went through a period in my life where I was very uncomfortable. I got divorced when my son was one. Mm -hmm. I was a single mom for a few years. I had to decide whether I wanted to stay at a job I didn't like or, you know, follow my dreams and set that example for him. So I dealt with like a lot of discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I think just being exposed to adversity and being like, okay, you can handle this. Like you've handled worse. You can get on your reel and talk about trademarks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's helpful for you to share that. I know so many, so many women can relate to that where it's hard. It's not easy. And I do think that a lot of the people that we're all following on, on social media feel this way too, even though it might look like it's so easy to just show up and create all of this content. I think a lot of us are feeling this way. So I think it's it's very, you know, relatable to hear that it's not just you, it's not just me. I think it's a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so no. now that you have become an expert at creating <laughs> viral reels and are you on TikTok too now or just focused on Instagram? I think I'm on TikTok. I know my VA posts things on TikTok. I don't actually personally go on TikTok. <laughs> okay. So she's repurposing your content, but that she's gets into our marketing strategy. <laughs> so the content that you're creating is converting. You are getting new customers from the content that you're making. And obviously, you know, social media is constantly evolving and changing. You know, we run a social media agency and have been in business for 10 plus years. And social media today is not what it was when we first started our business. And you have to be, as you know, adaptable to the changing landscape every day. So how are you staying current with everything and what content is working? So I have been doing a lot of both educational and entertaining reels. Video where my face is on the camera talking. And I think that's what's connecting with people the most and what 
builds that no like and trust factor. Mm-hmm. And you have to have something entertaining because that's why people stay on your page. You know, if I just was boring and talking about the law all day, I don't think it would be the same. But I think just engaging with people and providing information in a way people understand and relate to. And I also share my life on social media. So it's not just business. And when I talk to people on consultations, that are purely business, like I, 90% of the time, someone will say, oh, congratulations, like you just got married. Like, you know, people feel like they know you before they've met you. And I think that helps with building rapport. Absolutely. I completely, completely agree with that and, and can definitely relate for sure. Tell me how much time you are spending creating this content every week. Do you have a plan? Are you batching content? How are you coming up with these ideas for reels? I'm winging it. You're winging it. <laughs> I would like to be more organized, but honestly, I'm I've been very busy with new client work and other things. It is my goal to be more organized and batch content. But I would say sometimes I'll sit down and I'll have like the audio saved that I'm like, "Oh, you know, when I'm just like scrolling Instagram, I'll pick out audios that I like." or that I think would make a funny reel for my business. And I'll just save them. And then maybe once a week, I'll sit down for like 40 minutes when my hair and makeup is done. (laughs) The one day of, of the week I do it. And I'll knock a few out. Otherwise, I have gotten a lot less vain and picky. And I'll just pick up my phone if I have like a free minute during the day and see a reel that I like, and I'll just record something. And ironically, those are the ones that go viral. It's the ones you don't really think about. How are you measuring the success of your content? When I have people sign up for consultations, I have a questionnaire of like, how did you find me? Mm -hmm. So I can track how people found me. And usually it's either through an Instagram ad or seeing a reel or a referral. And for your ads that you're running, are you working with, you know, someone in-house, an agency? Who do you I am who do you working work with? with Jordan Baum. She is yes, amazing. I love her. She's the best ads manager and person. But we run ads to my template shop. And I often see conversions for trademarks and other like one-on-one work in my law firm. Oh, that's awesome. Jordan and I connected. South Florida Connection last year, I think it was through Nikki Aaronsman yes. connected me to Jordan. She was Jordan too. Amazing, amazing. I love the all the South Florida connections. We're all just networking, connecting down here, mm-hmm. doing business. It's it's definitely the best. What would you say you're most proud of to date? You have accomplished so much over the course of your career. And, you know, we've only known each other for the past few years since launching the Entrepreneurial League. What are you most proud of? Probably being a mom (laughs) and my son and how he's turned out. That is definitely something to be proud of. And (laughs) we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Coming up. The risks of not covering yourself legally. Okay, Berkeley, this is my favorite part of our episodes because I'm really going to get to know you now. I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So, the first word or words that come to your mind, you ready? Ready. All right. How would your friends describe you in three words? 
energetic, silly, a connector. I feel like I connect people. What is your favorite business tool that you've used to help grow your business? Canva. Favorite app on your phone that you can't live without? Instagram. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Finally, do you have a hidden talent? I'm really good at flip cup. Ooh, that is a good one. I haven't played it in a while, but I remember being very good at it. I was very good at flip cup too in college. We should do a <laughs> flip cup tournament. I don't drink anymore. Well, I can drink water, I but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was so I was I hand coordination. We See? can put something else in there. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to have a South Florida Flip Cup tournament. I love it. (laughs) All right, back to our regular questions. Berkeley, what does your typical day look like? Do you have a typical day? I don't have a typical day. I have a typical week, I would say. So I try to have like two. I have two half days where I do new client consults. And then I have two days where I have pretty intensive legal work days. And then I have two days where I pick my son up from school at 2.20 and just, you know, get admin and work on my business on those days in the morning. How do you, you know, I don't even want to say balance, like integrate being a mom, running a business. I know everything is, you know, so integrated now, especially over the past few years with the pandemic. How do you make everything work? I think you just have to make it work. You know, you make it work the best you can. There are definitely days where I feel disconnected from, you know, mom life. And then there's days where I feel disconnected from work because I'm being present in mom life. So I try to block off, like I said, like two afternoons where I'm fully present on the home front during the day. So I can really give my son like that one-on-one time. And then in the evenings, if I can, I try to not have any phones or devices out. Do you have a mantra or quote that you live your life by? Those who don't believe in magic will never find it. Hmm, I love that. Have you? Has that <laughs> always been your uh, your mantra? I just remember seeing that quote and loving it. I love that one. That's a good one. I'm going to write that down. Is there something that our listeners would be really surprised to find out about you? (laughs) Tell us all your secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. When I was young, I was obsessed with pigs. So I had ceramic pigs. I had stuffed animal pigs. Like I had a real obsession with little piglet animals which is actually how I was conned at the age of five into becoming a lawyer. My dad said that the city of Boca Raton doesn't allow pigs, but if I wanted a potbelly pig, I could become a lawyer and file, you know, some kind of lawsuit. And Oh, my God. <laughs> pig. And that's how it all started. That's how you became a lawyer. That's how I became a lawyer. Have you ever told that story? <laughs> I just told it actually to someone the other day, which reminded me of it. I think that would be a viral reel. <laughs> How I became a lawyer. <laughs> How I became a lawyer. Do you still talk to your dad about that? Yes. We that is so funny. He printed out a there was a 
article in like the Sun Sentinel in the newspaper a few years ago, actually, it was, and it was very serendipitous. It was like the day I passed the bar or something that it came out. And it was like some city, I don't know if it was Boca, but some city in South Florida, like passes a law to allow potbelly pigs as pets. That's so funny. Do you still want a pig? Are you still obsessed with pigs? (laughs) No, I'm really not. I have enough like living creatures to take care of in my life right now. That's, I, I hear you on that. What are you most grateful for every day? Probably my family and just having a great husband and son and and life. Yep. Not, nothing better for sure. All right. Last business tip to share with our listeners today. If they don't take away anything else from this episode, what is the one thing that entrepreneurs should be thinking about? They should be thinking about making sure their business name is available before you use it or if you've already started using it make sure you trademark because it's the only thing that gives you the exclusive right to use your business name in all 50 states and protects you from copycats. Yes, yes, and yes. Please listen to Berkeley. I can tell you we have learned the hard way. Do it. Invest the money because you will be thankful later. You do not want to get these cease and desist letters when you're just starting your business. Berkeley, final question for you. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? It means having a community of women that you can turn to as friends, as business partners, um, and just having women that you can bounce ideas off of and have in your life. Yes. And there's nothing better. And I am so grateful that we connected and that you are part of our Entrepreneurial League community. And I know so many of the women in our community have truly enjoyed meeting you and working with you. So for entrepreneurs that are interested in working with you one-on-one or going to your contract template shop, what is the best way for them to find you and reach out to you? So my Instagram is at Berkeley Sweet Apple. You can always reach me there. DM me. My template shop is berkeleysweetapple.com and my email is berkeley at berkeleysweetapplelaw.com if you wanted to send me an email. Amazing. And we will link out to all of those handles and links that you just shared in the show notes below. Berkeley, thank you so much for being here and sharing your incredible entrepreneurs' story and journey and for creating this incredible contract shop for entrepreneurs. It is so needed. Thank you again. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Founders are always asking us, what has been the secret to our success building multiple seven-figure businesses? Do you want to know how? It's our community. We created the Entreprenista League for founders like you. Our members have access to everything we've used to grow our businesses over the past 10 plus years. To learn more and get on the wait list for when doors are open again, head over to entreprenista.com. That's entreprenista.com to get on the wait list.